and get started. So we got any prayer requests? I have one. Okay. I have a niece. Um, they found a spot on her ovaries, and they don't know if it could be cancer or if it could be a cyst. They're not sure, but they're doing more tests out. So please keep her in your purse. Her name is Wendy, and she is a Christian, and she does her studies, and she's a really good girl. Wendy? Yes, Wendy. W-E-N-D-Y. W-E-N-D-Y, okay. Remember that, Charles? Anybody else? That was, I think it was Mary talking, right? Yes, sir. Okay. Anybody else with a prayer request? Pray for those. All right. Okay, that, that was Michelle, I think, asking for prayers for everybody. Yes. Charles asked for prayers as well. So, be Charles, we did we did remember at church yesterday, and we'll remember you tomorrow, Charles. Lord willing. All right. Thank you all so much. Anybody else with a prayer request? Okay. Let's go ahead with our opening prayer. Father, we're so thankful that... Each of us has taken time out this busy day, Father God, especially with it being a Saturday, Father. Seems as if it's one of the hardest days to get on and study. Father God, we're thankful that we have devoted this time unto you. Help our minds to be prepared and ready and help our minds to receive your word that's being spoken here tonight. Father God, we pray that we meditate upon the words that are being spoken and the lessons being taught. And search the scriptures. Father God, we're thankful for breath to breathe, Father God, out of our bodies. We're thankful for our health. No matter the condition we're in, Father, we're still living by your grace, so help us to be thankful. Father God, we are mindful of Wendy and our prayers. We pray that you will be with Wendy right now, Father, and that you will comfort her. We pray that you will... Send your word out and heal her, Father God, and just hear these prayers on her behalf that's ascending up, Father God, to your throne, Father. Father God, have your angels watching over and protecting them. Give the doctor's wisdom, Father God, and everything pertaining to her situation. We pray that you give Whitney comfort. We pray that you give her strength. We pray that she find a friend in you and that you give her favor. We pray for each and every one on the phone. We pray that you be with us all. You know each and every prayer request that was mentioned this night, Father. We pray that you give close attention to each and every one of them. Thankful for the prayers of the saints that's been going up on my behalf and on the behalf of others. So, Father, right now we pray for all saints that you will protect us through this night and that we will seek your face and do your will, Father, and that we will have kingdom business, Father God, number one and first and foremost on our minds. We pray for our loved ones that are outside of Christ, Father, whether they be seeking or not. Whether they believe or don't believe, Father God, we just pray that they obey the gospel before they leave this earth. Father God, we pray that we lead by example so that they see our good works and acknowledge you, Father, who is in heaven. And we pray that we desire obedience and that we hunger and thirst after righteousness. Father, please have mercy on us for the sins that we have committed. You know each and every one of our sins, Father God. Some are visible, but some are invisible, Father God, to the human eye, but nothing is hidden from your sight, Father. So you know each and every one of us, Father. You've tried us and tested us, Father, on our beds at night. Father God, help us with the ways that we struggle and fall short. And we in turn forgive all wrongs, Father. 
In Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. 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 And I miss Patricia checked in. Thank you, Patricia. Hello. Hi. Hi. Uh, so, Tim, you're going to lead our, our closing prayer? You're in position to do that? All right. Well, I made it a little bit more difficult to assignment this evening about the song reading, and I was hoping that we could select some songs that were about the judgment, the end time, heaven, uh, and... I got it from anywhere in Proverbs on my outline, but I mean from the songbook. Sorry about that. So did anybody select a song? I've got 508. Will Jesus come Okay. When Jesus comes to reward his servants, whether it be noon or night, faithful to him will he find us watching with our lamps all trimmed and bright. If at the dawn of the early morning he shall call us one by one, when to the Lord we restore our talents, will he answer thee, well done. Blessed are those whom the Lord finds watching, in his glory they shall share. If he shall come at the dawn or midnight, will he find us watching there? Oh, can we say we are ready, brother, ready for the soul's bright home. Say will he find you and me still watching, waiting, waiting, when the Lord shall come. Amen. That's the lesson right there. We could just close down the way we want. Anybody got one, another one? Uh, 719. We've done this one before, but... It's okay. Uh, there's a great day coming, a great day coming. There's a great day coming by and by. When the saints and the sinners shall be parted right and left, are you ready for that day to come? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready for the judgment day? Are you ready? Are you ready for the judgment day? There's a sad day coming, a sad day coming. There's a sad day coming by and by. When the sinner shall hear his doom, depart, I know you not. Are you ready for that day to come? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready for the judgment day? Are you ready? Are you ready for the judgment day? There's a bright day coming, a bright day coming. There's a bright day coming by and by. But his brightness shall only come to them that love the Lord. Are you ready for that day to come? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready for the judgment day? Are you ready? Are you ready for the judgment day? Amen. 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 That's great. Anybody else? Yeah. yeah uh, my wife have 837. 837. Okay. okay. All right, go ahead. It says, what will your answer be? Someday you'll stand at the bar on high. Someday your record you'll see. Someday you'll answer the question of life. What will your answer be? Sadly, you'll stand if you're unprepared. Trembling, you'll fall on your knees. Uh, facing the sentence of life or death, what will the sentence be? Now is the time to prepare, my friend. Make your soul spotless and free. Washed in the blood of the crucified one, he will, um, he will your answer be. What will it be? What will it be? Where will you spend your eternity? What will it be? Oh, what will it be? What will your answer be? Amen. I hope we all have the right answer. 
Anybody else? Those are some good selections right along the mind of what line of what I had in mind. So this might be a little bit more challenging. I said pick a proverb about that subject. Anybody find any proverbs? I, f- I found a couple I thought were applicable, but I didn't write them down, so uh, I'll have them. Hopefully I'll have them tomorrow night. Maybe maybe everybody else can find some more tomorrow night, those that call in. Hope we'll have some more call-ins. Everybody will be back on. Uh, how about a quotation from Jesus? That ought to be easy to find some quotation from Jesus. Anybody got one? Well, my wife is pulling up hers, Mike, but somebody else can go. Matthew 7, 6. Say again now. Matthew 7, 6. Matthew 7, 6. Yes. Okay. All right. Don't waste, don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. Don't throw your pur- your purge to peace. They will trump the pearl and then turn and attack you. You know, that's one one verse I never have quite understood. But maybe I'll let you explain it to me sometime. Anybody else? I've got hey, um, Matthew 6, 22 and 23. Okay. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If, therefore, the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Amen. Anybody else? Matthew 7, 13, and 14. Matthew 7, 13, and 14. Okay. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide that leads to destruction, and those who are entered by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Yeah, that's a, I understand what that one's saying. That's kind of a sad statement, isn't it? But it's a true statement, so. And it applies to, it does apply to, to the situation. We would want everybody to go to heaven, but that's not going to be the case. I'd like to think that nearly everybody's going, but that's not going to be the case either. So somebody else spoke up. Yeah, Mike, it's John, and it's actually just a little bit down further from that, which is 721 through 23. Uh, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does do it. On that day, many will say to me, will say to me, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name? done many mighty works in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Yes, that's another one that maybe we wish it wasn't that way, but that's the way it is. That's truth. A good warning. Good warning. Thank you, John. Anybody else? All right, let's see. Uh, I think we're going to continue this tomorrow night, so if you have some thoughts, Tomorrow night, uh, and you're able to call in. I'd like to hear some more. Who who we got to, can read tonight in a position to read? I can read. Okay, Latorian. Okay. All right. Sylvia. Yeah. Who else? Patricia usually reads. You gonna read, Patricia? Yes. Uh, Mike, I can read. I think Mary uh, said that she can read as well. Mary, you going to be able to read? Yes, sir. Okay. 
Anybody else? Let's see. Does Shibia usually read? Are you Are you gonna read it? Yes, sir. I'm here. Okay. Ty. Okay. Tim. Okay. All right. All right. We got the best group of readers we've had in a while. Latorian, Sylvia, Pat, Isaac, Mary, Ty, Tim. Anybody else? And okay. This uh, lesson is about. What does the Bible say about the end time or the end time signs or the last day, the last day, Jesus' return, rapture? All those questions are tied up, and it's uh, impossible, I think, to answer everything that's taught about it or in a specific type of way, but we can address them, I think, in a general type of way, and that's what I decided I needed to do was to do that and uh, thank Michelle She's the one that prompted this, uh, that asked this question, but I know it's of great interest to a lot of people. Uh, I know a lot of times if I listen to something on the radio or hear things about it, when I'm talking to people and I read stuff on the, online and all that, people are talking a lot about, about these things and making reference to them. The first point I wanted to make was that many people woke up this morning with plans for today and far into the future. But this the very day, some of those people will pass from this life before the day is over. Others will have strokes or injuries or sickness that will remove their ability to think and to make decisions concerning uh, spiritual things or anything, really. And we begin our reading with the parable of the rich fool. That's, uh, if the book go back up to my list, I think Latorium was the first one that volunteered. Latorium, would you read that parable of the rich fool? Yes, sir. All right, Luke twelve sixteen through 21. Then he spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I store all my crops and my goods. And I would say to my soul, So you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have been, you have provided? You have provided. So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Okay. So that's that's giving a very example of what I'm talking about. His man had plans, but he wasn't going to last through the night. I know the older you get, the more people you'll know that have big plans for retirement, but either don't make it there or, or pass shortly after they're retired. Uh, Sylvia, uh, would you read James 4, verse 13 through 17? Okay. James 4, 13. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such a, and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Okay. So I think 
everybody that's on the line tonight understands that we ought to say if the Lord wills. But if you really ever thought about it, that if you don't say that, or at least mentally think it, that you're boasting. He's talking about you boasting your arrogance. And we know how that is because so many people uh, do start the day and don't end the day. Uh, I'm sure everybody has known known people that way. Uh, Patricia, uh, I'm going to make the point that even Paul the Apostle could not be certain about his plans. Would you, Patricia, would you read 1 Corinthians 4:19? Okay. But I will come to you shortly, if the Lord wills, and I will know not the word of those who are puffed up, but the power. Okay. So he noticed that Paul, even in writing, he said, if the Lord wills. He had plans to come to him, but he he added that part, if the Lord wills. And Isaac informed me the other day that apparently he didn't will for him to come as shortly as the Corinthians wanted him to come. But uh, he... He did eventually make it, to understand. So we think about all the things that's going on in the world and the things that are happening today, and often these things are made as predictions or interpreted by certain people as being the end times or the end of the, of the world or the rapture is near or various things like that. I'd like to make a few points about that. Before World War II, which really wasn't that long ago said that the sun never sets on the British Empire and the king of Great Britain was also the emperor of India they literally controlled uh, areas all the way around the world and a huge country like India which was actually India and Pakistan those two areas now but now they've shrunk into a tiny little island nation with uh, very little control and uh, they're nothing like they like they were, the people don't live to the to the level of uh, wealth that they lived in that time that they were controlling the world, or a lot of them don't. Big changes there. Also, if you most of you can probably remember the Soviet Union, they controlled many countries. Next to them, they had it. They had their aims on the rest of Europe. Remember them going to Afghanistan? They wanted to take over Afghanistan, and some of us can even remember when they had designs on the United States possibly still do through Russia, but they had uh, nuclear missiles setting in Cuba. But now they've receded into a dwarf of their former self. They've changed their religion. Their religion was atheism. You weren't allowed to have a religion. Uh, now they're Rus- Russian Orthodox. They changed their economic system and its method of government. Great, great change in turmoil. And then we might look at Iraq. All of us are familiar with Iraq. It was a great nation which threatened its neighbors and it even protected Christian minorities, something that most of us don't really follow or think about. But now it's controlled by Iran, its former enemy, and it's exterminated the Christian minorities. There's, as I understand it, the Christian minorities are no longer in in Iraq. They've been, uh, I don't know if the word is genocide or not, but they've either been forced to move or they've been killed. And then again, there's another country named China. It was a it was a very weak nation. They thought they were overpopulated. They had all kinds of population controls and everything. Now they're a mighty and powerful nation, influenced throughout the world. Current news even says that they're running police stations within the United States. And you probably remember that they flew a spy balloon over the U.S. and without any opposition, not any opposition. We waited until it was completely across before we ever shot it down. 
I can only conclude it's because we fear they're, we're afraid of them today. Also, there's a country in South America called Venezuela. It was one of the richest countries in the world. And now, this was just a few years ago, but now the people are starving. An average adult has lost over 30 pounds due to the lack of food. It's really an amazing change that they've gone through. You could think of the U.S. We kind of like, I consider us like Babylon of old. I believe that the U.S. could collapse at any minute from either one of these suspected sources or some unsuspected source. Very few, if anybody, predicted the COVID pandemic, and many predicted it would be over once there was a vaccine. I think everybody knows how that worked out. There's been climate change ever since the Great Flood. The Bible tells us that there was a flood that uh, covered the whole earth, and only eight souls survived that flood, along with the animals that they took with them. But uh, And there's a lot of biblical ev- evidence and geological evidence of that. But drought and famine... It drove Israel and his immediate family into Egypt, where his descendants were forced into slavery. So climate change played a big role in what we read in the Bible. People near Greenville, Mississippi, where a lot of our callers are from, might know that giant mammoth mutt tusks have been found along the river near Greenville, creatures that roam the earth, I believe, since the flood, but because of climate change, no longer there. If you go out from Mobile, Alabama, a few miles in the Gulf, there's an underwater cypress swamp, and uh, they tell us that uh, they can pull up, they pull the cypress up under from it, and uh, it, they can take it and mill it, just like it was cut down yesterday. It indicates that there's been huge climate change. Archaeologists speculate that many ancient civilizations disappeared because of extended drought conditions. You might have read about the Little Ice Age. That was only about seven or eight hundred years ago. Maybe less than that. It killed many people in North America and uh, Europe because the crops, it started death because the crops wouldn't produce. Times past, giant volcanoes have covered whole cities, and ash that was spewing forth from volcanoes has cooled the whole earth. Many cities and towns have been burned or destroyed throughout history. Pompeii, one of the most famous, was covered completely in ashes. Now they're excavating it, and they find it where these rich People lived, and sometimes they're literally sitting at the table or pulling, working in a working position, and they're still in that position. Just today, in today's news, there was a big earthquake in Morocco, and the last I read that there were more than 2,000 dead and tremors felt throughout the country and in other countries. Many false prophets have predicted the end of time as we know it. In 1970, I graduated from high school with a Jehovah's Witness named Reva Julian. Reva had been convinced that the world as we know it would end in 1974, that Jesus would return to the earth and set up his kingdom and reign for a thousand years. She was a really smart girl and could have gone to college, but she chose rather to get married and uh, with the purpose of having children so she could have that experience before 1974 because she'd been taught that in this new kingdom she wasn't going to be able to marry or have children. Other Jehovah's Witnesses borrowed money, all the money they possibly could and lived an expensive lifestyle because they thought they would not have to pay it back. In 1967, I can remember when I was 14 years old, I watched Billy Graham. I know or heard of Billy Graham. He's a famous, very politically savvy, savvy religious leader. And he was talking about the Six-Day War between Israel and Allied forces. And he said that was the beginning of the very end of time. The end of time would occur very, very soon. Well, Billy Graham's been dead a long time. 
But his son, Franklin Graham, is alive and well. He's raising money for charity. You might see him on TV. And he continues to spread his false doctrine of salvation by faith and prayer only. So there's been a lot of lot of things that people have interpreted as being signs of the end of the time that have proven not to be true. So let's read a passage. I've been talking too much. Uh, Pat, would you read? Uh, maybe you read last, didn't you? Isaac, would you read Matthew seven fifteen through 16? Yes, sir. It says, Beware of false prophet who come to you in sheep clothing, but inwardly bravest of wolves. Uh, you will know them by their fruit. So there's many, many false prophets in Jesus' time and in our time. They're not only in religion, but they're in science, they're in politics, they're everywhere we look. And especially in religion, we need to search the scriptures to see if the things they're being told are so. There are even apostles, false apostles then, and there are false apostles today. Uh, there's one big religious group that has a regular ongoing set of apostles, and then other people claim to be apostles that you see from that time to time. Uh, Mary, would you read Second Corinthians 11, 13 through 15? Yes, sir. We What's the verses? Second Corinthians 11, verse 13 through 15. Okay. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will force to their Okay. Thank you. But there's some things that are certain. We have a lot of uncertainties in the world and life and all that, but some things are certain. Ty, would you read Hebrews 9, 27 through 28? Yes, sir. And as it is appointed for a man to die once, but after this, the judgment. So Christ was offered once to bear the sins you have. Of, to those who eagerly wait for him. He will appoint appears a second time apart from sin for salvation. Okay. So we have no chance, choice, but we're all going to die. It's 100% certainty unless the Lord does come. So we're going to face the Lord one way or the other. Uh, either we'll die and we might die tonight. We might die before we get off this phone call. Or even Jesus might come before we get off this phone call. That is a certainty. We guarantee it. And another certainty that we read about, uh, Tim, would you read Revelation 21, 7 through 8? So he who will overcome shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, he shall be my son. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderous, sexual, immoral, thoughtless, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burn with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So he says, even though we're going to die once, and I think he's talking about physical death, we, we're still facing the possible second death if we're amongst that number that's described there or we haven't been uh, forgiven of our sins. Another certainty is that the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. The Bible contains both figurative and literal language. Common sense would tell us not to interpret figurative language to contradict literal language. Much of Matthew 24 is figurative. That's the chapter that a lot of people go to to come up with a lot of these predictions about the end of time. In addition, if you pay attention, some of the 
or all of its prophecy is referring to the destruction of Jerusalem, which is amply recorded in history. And he says in the very passage, we'll note it here in a minute, that these things are going to happen before the end of that generation. Uh, Let's think we're back to the Torian. Would you read Matthew 23, verse 34 through 36? Okay. Therefore, indeed, I see you prophets, wise men, and scribes. Some of them you will kill and crucify, and some of them you will scourge in your synagogues and persecute from city to city. That on you may that on you may come all the righteous blood shed on the earth, from the blood of the righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, son of Berchai, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. Assuredly, I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. So we see he's making a, a very stark prediction about what's going to happen to the Jewish nation, to the Jews that they were there. There's a great punishment coming, and he makes it clear that they're going. it's going to happen within this generation. Now, remember, the chapters and verses are added by men, so I don't think there's a real division there between the end of 23 and the beginning of 24. So, uh, Sylvia, would you read uh, Matthew 24, verses 1 through 2? Jesus left the temple and was going away when his disciples came to point out to him the buildings of the temple. But he answered them, You see all these, do you not? Sure, truly, I say to you, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. Okay, if we read that and we read in between, we read down through there, we're going to see a lot of things that he's predicting about when this is going to happen. And those are a lot of those things people take and apply them to the end times. And a lot of it is figurative language, which makes it, uh, gives them even more license to make claims about it. But uh, since you're there, Sylvia, would you read uh, 20, Matthew 24, verse 34? Truly, truly, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Okay. So he makes it clear that what he's predicting there is going to occur within a few years because he says this generation will not pass away till all these things take place. And those are the things that he's been talking about. And then also if we look at the book of Revelation, it's written in largely in figurative language about things that were primarily to shortly take place. Again, here we have a lot of figurative language that people use and they use license to make all types of fantastic predictions about the end of the world and the end times and other things. Uh, Pat, would you read Revelation 1, verse 1? The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants, things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant, John. Okay. So he says these are things that must shortly take place. And also he says he signified it. That's another way of saying it's, it's figurative language. He gave it to them in signs, uh, signs that hopefully they understood better than we can understand, but there were warnings to them about what was to take place, much of the book of Revelation. People take these things and twist them. So let's look at some truth, some things that are not so figurative that the Bible speaks about. 
Isaac, would you read Second uh, Peter 3, verse 1 through 12? Yes, sir. Uh, this is a very good reading. I, I love this reading. It says, Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and the Savior. Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lust, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willfully forget, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of water and in the water by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are are reserved for fire unto the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what matter a person ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt melt with fervent heat. Okay. So God has shown us that he will destroy the world because of the flood that we mentioned about earlier, and we read about it in the book of Genesis and other places. But he says when he comes again, he's going to come as a thief in the night. You know, there are some robbers who will come up in broad daylight and they'll bring their weapons and they'll have a house invasion or whatever. But the common thief, he's going to sneak in in the night. He's not going to denounce himself. And that's what he's saying. He's not going to denounce himself. He's not going to give us signs that we can easily uh, determine. He's not going to give us warning. And it's very much like death itself. We don't know when we're going to die, but we know we are going to die. We don't know when he's coming, but we know he is coming. And then there's another passage. You know, I think John signed up for reading, and I failed to write him down. Uh, John, weren't you wanting to read? Would you read 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 through 11? Yeah, give me a second. I get it. 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 through 11? Yeah. Now, concerning the times and the seasons, seasons brothers you have no need to have anything written to you for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the lord will come like a thief in the night while people are saying there is peace and security then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape but you are not in darkness brothers for the day to surprise you like a thief for you are all children of light children of the day we are not of the night or of the darkness So then, let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of of faith and love, and for the helmet of hope of salvation. For the God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. Okay. 
So again, he makes it clear that he's going to come as a thief in the night. And he, in verse 1, he says, the way I interpret it is, don't be concerned about the times and the seasons, because he's going to come as a thief in the night. He's not going to be announced. But be ready. Be ready all the time. It's like our fire department. We expect our fire department to be ready 24-7, no matter what. No matter what the weather is, no matter what's going on, we expect them to be ready to go out and to attempt to put out the fires. So we need to be ready with the helmet of breastplate of faith and love and the helmet of salvation. Be ready to fight. Then some encouraging words. Let's read First Thessalonians 4, verse 14 through 18. Mary, would you read that? First Thessalonians 4, 14 through 18. You want me to read it? Yeah, go ahead, Pat. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Amen. So it's very comforting to know that when the end comes, that those that are in Christ, they will, uh, whether they have passed from this life or they're living, they're going to live with Christ. Not so like the song we read uh, for those that are not in Christ. So the question is, have you put on the breastplate of faith and love as a helmet and hope of salvation? There's a 100% probability that you will die very soon in terms of eternity, or the Lord will come without warning as a thief in the light. There's only one, two, one or two ways out of this world. That's through death of the Lord coming. The question is, are you ready for the Lord to come? Are you ready to die? Are you ready? And let's think about the Ethiopian eunuch, what he did. In Acts 8, verse 35 to 39, it says, Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. Now as they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, If you believe with your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. Now when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, so that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. So you see here that the eunuch was baptized right away. But we know from other passages that he must have also uh, repented of his sins. He must have, we know from this passage that he confessed his belief in Jesus Christ and he certainly had heard the gospel because Philip had preached to him. So that's, uh, we'll go with our closing prayer. Did I pick somebody for the closing prayer? Okay, go ahead. We can't hardly hear you, Tim. Hey, can you hear me better now? Yes, sir. Go ahead. All right, let's pray to please. <clears throat> Dear Lord, our God, wonderful Father, righteous Father, Loving Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And Father, we just thank you so much for allowing us this evening, dear Father, to come into uh, this uh, this conference call tonight to, to study from your word, to 
to take in the things, the Father, that you, you've instructed to us, given us instruction on. And we just thank you, Father, for your love, that you love us so much, dear Father, that you you gave your son, you sent your son to this earth to, to die, to reconcile us, Father, while we were still yet, yet your enemies. And we're just so thankful to you, Father, for loving us in the way that you do. And we pray, dear Father, that as we go about our everyday life, that we would uh, understand, Father, and love with you with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And we pray, dear Lord, that we would always be mindful that we are to love our brethren that our, as ourselves. And we just pray that uh, we are always striving to, to be like Jesus, our Lord, Father, who uh, gave it an example that we can follow to know that uh, we are living a life that is according to your will. And we just uh, just want to uh, just uh, ask you, dear Father, to, to help us to understand that uh, none of us, dear Father, know <clears throat> when uh, our time will be up, that we will uh, uh, die and leave the search, Father, and we know that... Uh, after we, we, we die, that uh, our soul, dear Father, will be uh, in your hands for judgment. And we just pray, dear Father, that uh, we are always preparing, that we are prepared each and every day to to come to, to meet you, Father, when uh, the time is up for us on this earth, that we are living according to, to your will. We want to thank you, dear Father, for allowing us to live in a country that we can uh, uh, live freely as we do and to, to worship as we, and serve as we do. And we just pray, Father, that we would always uh, have these freedoms and safeties that we can we can uh, be uh, uh, safe and secure in, in every way. We pray, dear Father, that you would be with us as we travel, uh, leave and go our separate ways this evening, that we would have those that are traveling, that they would have safe travel to their destination, a safe return back to their homes and families. Pray the Lord for all of those that mentioned that are having sick issues uh, that that's going on with them that they will be healed. Pray the Lord for our good brother Charles that you uh, offer your protection around him as he go through uh, the things that he's going through that he can be strong and and remain faithful to you in every way. For this and all things we pray in the holy name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank everyone for calling. Have a blessed evening. And remember, tomorrow is the first day of the week, the Lord's Day. And good night. Good night. Good night. Thanks, everyone. Good luck.